0: FinTech Hunting is hosted by Michael Hammond, JD CMT keynote speaker, author, and founder and president of Next Level Advisors. Join Michael as he seeks out tech visionaries, leading lenders, trailblazing executives, and other financial influencers to bring you actionable insights and lead generation tactics, all centered around industry greatness and success.
1: Be recorded. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Celerate, FinLocker, FSG Enterprise Solutions, and Next Level Advisors. Well, listeners, you are in for a treat today. We have a very special guest. This is an industry veteran, someone who has incredible knowledge and expertise, has built companies, has delivered some incredible innovation to the mortgage market. Please help me welcome Patrick Stone. He is the executive chairman and founder of WFG. Patrick, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Michael. It's a a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, it is great to have you. Uh, You have such a wealth of knowledge and expertise in financial services and and specifically in the mortgage market. So I'm very excited to have you as a guest and share some of that knowledge and expertise. And I think as we kind of hit the ground running, I think one of the first questions to ask, we're, we're starting a new year. We're still dealing with this pandemic. How has business changed? You know, not just at FSG, but how have you seen business change out there? since the pandemic, specifically in financial services?
2: Well, candidly, the the lower interest rates, you know, the Fed has been extremely accommodative and has bought assets causing rates to be very low. So consequently, the volume of activity has increased dramatically. Uh, Refis have been off the charts in terms of volume. And then I think also the pandemic has caused people to really reassess home ownership as a priority. And uh, I may be dating myself a little bit, but if you go back 40 years, uh, when you became an adult, the first thing you thought about was owning a home because that was a logical and good step towards having financial independence. It was also a kind of a, a part of life that was socially regarded as a necessity uh, you know, in, in building your adult life and, and being married and having a family and so forth. I think over the, the last 40 years, uh, there has been a, de- a gradual decline in the priority of home ownership. Well, the pandemic has changed that. It's been really interesting to watch people's attitudes. All of a sudden, they realize having a home is key and essential to safety, to maintaining family continuity, safety, health. Um, people are working from home, so they want the ability to work from home and do so safely. Um, people want a yard so they can have a garden and raise vegetables. It's just been a just a dramatic change in the thought process around owning a home. So, you've had a dramatic increase in refis, and you've had a, a population that's, hit, that's saying, hey, I want to own a home. So, resale activity is up also. So. This has been very good for the real estate industry. And it's really kind of ironic because you watch a lot of people suffering from the pandemic. But our industry has really benefited from it.
1: Well, I think you add some great insights because as I talked to a number of guests on the show, you're one of the first who has really talked about how that whole perception of home ownership has changed since the pandemic. People do want a home. They, they want to have a place where they can feel safe like you said, a home office, a yard, whether it's to have a garden, whether that's to have room for their kid to go down a swing because they can't go to school and they can't play on the regular playground. Uh, so I think that's a great insight. How has the pandemic changed from a business perspective? You know, you now have remote employees, you now have some other technology challenges or maybe some advantages, but any insights there from you know running companies and looking at how you've had to shift and pivot due to the pandemic?
2: Well, I have been pleasantly surprised at our ability to accommodate work from home. I think we reached, uh, (coughs) excuse me, I think we reached about 70% of our employee base. We have about 1600 employees. We had about 70% working from home for a while. I think right now we're running about 40, 45% working from home. But the technology is advanced to the point where you can do so and do so effectively uh, where you have trained people and uh, you know you're you're in a situation to be able to exchange information through technology now my company is all on one platform so that really was a great boost to us in terms of being able to work from home be able to move uh, projects files uh, challenges around to different people to get things answered and taken care of so, uh, you know, we, we're blessed that we had the technology to be able to do this. Now, the pandemic has also put a great emphasis on technology, and I think you're going to see some interesting improvements in things like uh, online, like Zoom calls or online uh, online meetings. The ability to have more flexibility about working from home. And I think, if my uh, my memory serves me correctly, there was about eight percent of the population. Population was working from home prior to the pandemic. I suspect that after the pandemic that may go up to maybe 12% but what will happen is you'll have more flexibility uh, for people to work from home when they need to on Fridays or Mondays or if the kids are sick. I think also for a while anyway you'll see less traveling because you can have pretty pretty functional meetings online now with people. Um, getting back down a little bit more basic level in terms of being able to service our clients um, you know, we've seen an increase in uh, remote, uh, Ron, remote online notarization, uh, remote in-person notarization. That's probably even more prevalent. Uh, we're seeing a, a lot of interest in e-closing, um, and you're seeing people really starting to engage in how can we make the process better? How can we use technology? Uh, not to get too far afield, but one of the things we've done as a company is we put a lot of uh, time, effort, and resource into our My Home products, which are focused on creating integration between the players in the industry and also statusing the people in the industry so you have less less phone calls, less wonderment about where you are. people are not in the dark. Uh, people can exchange information uh, through integrations as opposed to having to replicate and rekey data constantly, which has been kind of a kind of one of the downfalls of our industry for, for quite a while.
1: Absolutely and before we drill a little bit deeper there, I think you make some uh, wonderful points. You know, and I think as an industry as a whole, the mortgage industry was much better prepared for these events. Being able to keep the industry moving forward at historically low rates, historically high volumes and doing it with remote workforces is really a testament to where technology has come in the industry. And it sounds like you guys have done an exceptional job of not missing a beat, being able to provide the ongoing services that your clients need. During these very challenging times, but also times of of great opportunity in financial services, I want to dig a little deeper because you talked about some of the technology, but tell me a little bit more of some of the ways that FSG is leveraging technology in the mortgage lending space and what are some of the areas that you find that people are really demanding technology? You had mentioned, you know, Remote notarization, but what are some of the other areas and some of the other technologies that have really grown for you, for you guys, during this pandemic?
2: Well, you know, WFG has focused on and uh, really trying to be or trying to not say I don't want to say take advantage of, but leverage our key position in the real estate process now. I say that that you're going to have people listening to this and they're going to say what the heck is he talking about title companies and escrow companies are not in a key position well in his essence we are because we interact with all the players the buyer the seller the lender the realtor uh, virtually interact with everybody so we are in a key position in the sense that we have an opportunity to create integrations between the players and to facilitate the exchange of information um, I did a study once, and this is about 20, this was just almost exactly 20 years ago, and we, uh, we looked all over the country and tried to determine how many times uh, the individual's name and property address or legal description were entered during the closing process. And what I'm talking about is by all the different players, the lender, the appraiser, the inspector, uh, excuse me, the title company, the realtor. And it turned out on average about 80 times a transaction. Now that is just absolutely insane. And you think about how long it takes to close, one of the things that happens is that you have people doing the same thing over and over again. So I think the pandemic and the emphasis on technology has opened the door now to trying to create more integrations, uh, trying to, you know, one of the things we're trying to do with my home is to get, you know, to create more of a data vault so the information is entered one time. Uh, statusing people automatically out of the closing so that everybody knows what's going on, not left out in the dark. Um, we use uh, DocuSign a lot. You talk about different technologies. DocuSign, all of a sudden, now it's, I, I I personally probably spent half my day <laughs> on <laughs> DocuSign. It's just crazy, uh, but it's good because it's creating more efficiency and uh, one thing we have to do in our industry, in the mortgage industry candidly, is we've got to shorten the closing cycle. It's way too long, and for the average consumer, which is all of our clients, they are the consumer, the buyer, the seller, the borrower. These people are sitting there, and, and they don't do this very often, so they're sitting there for 40 to 50 days, sometimes 60 days, not knowing what's going on, and uh, they, they tend to say, well, this is very not only inefficient, this is cumbersome. So we need to work on it, and, th- and I think this pandemic has created a more of a focus on technology, and candidly, I think, I think that's
1: gonna benefit all of us. Well, and you make some wonderful points and wanna to touch upon some of those and drive a little bit deeper. I think one of the keys that you guys are doing is you're bringing all of the parties to the table and it's really fostering and enhancing those relationships and then being able to leverage technology. So like you said, you don't have to send out individual alerts. Alerts are instantly sent out. It creates greater transparency and especially for the borrower who doesn't go through this process every day and it's intimidating and a little overwhelming. Uh, It's a stressful time. They're trying to possibly sell one home, buy another home. They gotta line up the movers. It's a stressful situation. And then you throw all of these mortgage terms, documents in front of them and it can be overwhelming. And I think with you providing a very powerful tool that connects all of the entities and creates that transparency throughout the process, it now starts knocking down some of those barriers. People are not as stressed, they have a chance to review it when it's happening and it's not just showing up at the closing table and being completely overwhelmed. So I I love what you guys are doing is you integrate all of the key players because like you had mentioned, you're in a critical spot in the, the whole transaction process to be able to go in and actually improve the process, eliminate some friction points Um, Like you said, you know, from that study, 80, 90 touches. Wow, what a waste of time. How many times, you know, and how frustrating is it as a borrower when you have, everyone's asking you for the same information? Like, really? If I could just put it in one time and now that information is in the vault, like you said, and people can access it who need it and they don't have to ask the borrower 10 times for their street address or their social security number or their pay stubs, that improves not only the process, not only reduces closing times, um, but it improves the borrower satisfaction scores and a much better experience for the borrowers, which I think ultimately we're all trying to strive for.
2: Well, and and not only that, Michael, it also saves the lender and the other participants a tremendous amount of time. Um, And not, not to make this a commercial, but our My Home Exchange platform, the borrower puts, basically it asks the borrower for all kinds of information. They put it in one time then lender doesn't have to call the borrower constantly and ask for this or that or the other thing, right? So it's uh, it's making the process more efficient. You know, just kind of highlight one of the things you said. We, uh, <clears throat> we've conducted these executive roundtables to get uh, input from various lenders about where their points of pain are in the process. And this has really caused us to be able to focus time, energy, and resources on eliminating those points of pain because you know, we're not just an insurance company, we're also a services company. And if we can make the consumer happy, our clients are all our clients and the consumer are happy, we all win, right?
1: Absolutely. And I think what I want to touch upon, especially when you do those focus groups, when you do those surveys and really find out is, what are some of the biggest challenges you see facing the mortgage industry right now? We're we're into just the first, you know, week or so of 2021, What are some of the challenges that you see that really lenders need to focus on? And as an industry, we need to address this year to improve the mortgage process.
2: Well, sorry, I've got a little bit of an allergy problem here. Um, I'll start off by saying that, you know, one of the things that I I tell my people and I encourage all your listeners to think about is that people have been working at a ridiculous pace. They really have. I've been very, very proud of the industry, not just my employees, but. But realtors, lenders, everybody in the industry has made us look good. We've taken care of a tremendous amount of demand. We've taken care of consumers at all levels. Uh, but people are tired. We got, need to be careful. So <laughs> to, the things to worry about are things to think about and really focus on right now. Make sure you're, all your employees know that they're appreciated. Make sure that they have the flexibility if they need a day off or something, because if, if you can Because it's, it's gotten – we've been running – Running at a pretty high rate for a long period of time. Um, Getting back to more more uh, analytical or clinical aspect of this, you know, the the industry has got to have more uh, more. I don't want to say cooperation. I want to say collaboration. The industry has to have more collaboration. And uh, you know, we're sitting here, and I think it functions okay, but it's built around a a fairly a process has been around a long time and it's built and regulated on a on a business-by-business business basis. In other words, um, a good friend of mine, Brad Inman, <clears throat> is constantly asking me, why doesn't somebody automate the whole process? Well, candidly, uh, every component of the process is regulated differently by different regulators, right? I mean, you've talked about insurance, comp- insurance title insurance, it's regulated on a state-by-state basis. Uh, lenders are regulated differently, so are realtors. And the ability to affect um, uh, automation among all the players and integration among all the players is somewhat limited because we live in different universes, different regulatory regulatory environments. So um, I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit. I'm rambling, Michael. But what I want to try to say here is what the industry needs to do is to really foster a sense of cooperation. And uh, I think we can accommodate the volumes. We'll get through it if we pay attention to our employees we'll get through it but i don't think the volume is going to go away very quickly i mean it's going to be very busy in the first quarter on refis uh you know a lot of people say resales are going to be up five to seven percent this year over last year and that was a darn good year for resales so we're going to have this volume going on so the more we can do to try to facilitate exchange of information on an automated basis the more we can do to not rekey data all the time, there'll be less errors and we'll, we'll save time. And then I think just more of an attitude of collaboration. We've got to have more collaboration in this industry.
1: Excellent insights. And I think as I've interviewed so many people on this FinTech podcast, I love the point that you made about some of the hurdles and roadblocks are we're operating in different universes trying to streamline and automate the entire mortgage process. It's not just the mortgage regulator, it's the state regulators, the insurance regulator. There's so many moving parts in that, and to your point about the need for collaboration, the need to come together and be able to share the information and and do it in a very seamless and transparent way is gonna be what helps move this industry forward. So thank you for those insights, greatly appreciate that. One of the other things as we kick off 2021 where do you see the industry going? You you touched upon it a little bit with, you know, where you thought some of the refis would be in the first quarter and where you thought some volumes be, but what are some of the other things you see uh, as an industry, some trends, some things that we need to be on the lookout for, maybe some new technologies that will be rolling out in 2021?
2: Well, you hear a lot about automated, uh, you know, automated, intelligent ai and and the use uh the use of ai to facilitate processes and i think you're going to see a lot of uh, continuing noise in that area but one of the things that most people don't understand is that the database uh upon which we we conduct our, our transactions the underlying uh geodetic surveys in the western part of the united states or or the compilation of all the address-based uh, data back east is different in a lot of different places and not uniform and not consistent. So um, AI has a has some applicability, I think. Um, I do believe, however, that it's somewhat limited because of the different databases and also uh, the inability to access all the information online. So you will see more application, but I'd be careful there make sure, you know, I mean, I think really the applicability of that right now, from my perspective, is limited somewhat to certain refis. Um, I think you're going to see, you know, refresh me on your question again. I'm sorry, Michael.
1: Some of the trends that you're seeing in 2021, and before we do that, one of the things on AI that I find fascinating is, you know, AI has been around for a while, but I think People are now finding smaller niche areas to use it instead of trying to radically change the entire mortgage process. Is there certain areas that they can use AI to improve? And you're even seeing that on the consumer side. I I got a new toothbrush for Christmas. You may say, well, hey, that's not a very exciting gift or anything like that, but it it features uh, AI in it. And so when I go to brush my teeth every morning, it pulls up on my phone the app it's got an entire picture of my entire mouth and it can show me if I've hit every tooth that I, I hit it. for long enough. And it will tell me and it will show me when I should finish brushing because I've done a perfect job with every one of my teeth.
2: Cool. I love it. I love, so it. I love
1: it. I love it. It's me. an interesting application of AI where you know, two years ago people were talking about AI and I thought it was very theoretical. And now I'm saying, wow, I'm seeing it in this quick little consumer good didn't think it would be a big deal but i can tell you my teeth have never been cleaner <laughs> and this simple little toothbrush that i'm going to an app so i i'm hopeful that uh, we'll see more applications like that of people finding niche uses of ai to maybe eliminate some friction points to maybe bring some you know more streamlined processes to reduce some turning times as we move forward. But is there any other trends, any other things that you think we should be on the lookout going into 2021?
2: Well, let me, let me just finish the thought on the AI, if I may. And that is that the the real, I think the real point of a real area of opportunity for AI in the real estate transaction process is in determining clear to close, right? So that we can give uh, consumers, a realistic idea of how long it's going to take to close a transaction instead of just putting everything into a pipe and saying it's all going to come out in 43 days we have the ability now and if we get the cooperation collaboration between all the participants we have the ability now to actually get the close more aligned to the availability of information and the the uh, efficiency of the process so we could be closing things in six days 12 days 20 days uh and just make the whole process work better for everybody i think other trends uh you know again i think collaboration will increase this year i think other trends in the industry um i i, I like a lot of people are very interested to see what's going to happen on the regulatory front uh i think if we if we see uh the democrats get both uh, senate seats in georgia and it looks like they might then i think you're going to see uh the you're going to see cfpb or or just regulatory efforts i guess uh, around the mortgage industry uh stay where they are or become even uh, even more pronounced uh, they had been a trend to lessen regulation but i think it's going to come back and actually it doesn't bother me that much i know it bothers some people but the reality is uh if you live through the if you live through the great depression and the meltdown uh our industry took a heck of a black eye because of that i I can argue with you that it should have been more blamed on Wall Street than on the mortgage industry, but having said that, we took a black eye. So, I think uh, having a good, solid, but hopefully consistent regulatory environment, I think it's the ups and downs that changes that cause Boris sort of the problem, but I think we're all watching the regulatory environment to see what's going to happen there. Um, I do think interest rates are going to stay low throughout the year, so I think activity will be very good, uh, and I think you're going to see... Uh, you're going to see some changes probably on the real, the realtor side because of uh, litigation around buyer's commissions and so forth and I think uh, the technology and those sort of litigations may cause some some change in the commission structure. One thing that Michael, one thing that's going to happen and it may not just be limited to 2021 but the cost of conveying a piece of residential real estate as a percentage of the asset is way out of line. Uh, our overall cost is too much because, again, we we all duplicate a lot of the same processes. And you know, depending on where you are in the country, it's anywhere from six to nine percent of the asset value to convey it. Um, and I I don't think that's going to I think that's going to erode or not erode. I think that's going to be reduced by technological efficiencies, collaboration, and other things. But I don't think consumers are going to put up with, for it put up with it forever.
1: Patrick, you share so many wonderful insights. You have a wealth of knowledge and expertise. I can't thank you enough for joining us. I know our listeners are taking copious notes and making and jotting those things down, but uh, it has been delightful to have you as a guest. You are welcome back anytime. And we greatly appreciate you for sharing your time and insights with the FinTech Hunting Podcast. My pleasure, Michael.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Are you looking to close more loans in 2021? Experience Incelerate's award-winning customer engagement platform, featuring lead management, CRM, call routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrower engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing, text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and so much more. Incelerate, helping lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement, Schedule your personal demo today at Encelerate.com. Introducing Finlocker, a financial super app that originators can provide their customers to improve credit, create and track budgets, save for their financial goals, and get mortgage ready. Users can even search for a home and start their loan application directly from the app. Create customers for life with Finlocker. Are you struggling to keep up with record origination volumes? From property valuation and appraisal to title insurance and closing services, WFG Enterprise Solutions provides flexible mortgage origination services that address your organization's needs head on. By taking the time to understand how you run your business, WFG can create solutions that save you time and money on every transaction. That's why WFG consistently earns Net Promoter's world-class ranking for customer satisfaction. Innovative solutions, world-class customer satisfaction. Get to know WFG today at wfgls.com. FinTech Hunting is brought to you by Next Level Advisors. Next Level Advisors, where businesses come to grow.